Reading from Mark chapter 5. And he went with him, and a great crowd followed him and thronged about him. And there was a woman who had discharge of blood for 12 years, who had suffered much of many physicians. Is that right? Just start over and, keep, and do it again. Go. Okay. We did restart the video. It's okay. Reading from Mark chapter five, and he went with, and he went with him, and a cra- and a great crowd. I want to start over. Go. Go. Just go. delete the video, please. No, I can edit it. It's fine. Three. Just go. Say go. Reading from Mark chapter five, and he went with him, and a great crowd followed him and thronged about him. And there was a woman who had discharge of blood for 12 years and who had suffered much under many physicians and had spent all that she had. But And, and there was no better, but rather grew worse. She had heard re- the reports of Je- about Jesus and came up behind him. And the crowd and touched his garment, for she said, if I, if I touch his garments, I will be made well. And immediately the flood of blood dried up. And she felt in her body that she was healed of her disease. And Jesus, perceiving him in himself, that power had gone out from him, immediately turned about in the crowd and said, Who touched my garments? And his disciples said to him, You see the crowd pressing around you, and yet you say, Who touched me? And he looked around to see who had done it. But the woman, knowing what happened in her, came fear, trembling, and fell down before him and told the truth. And he said to her, Daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be healed of your disease. While he was still speaking, there came from the ruler's house some who said, Your daughter is dead. Why trouble the teacher any further? But overhearing what what they said, Jesus said to the ruler of the synagogue, Do not fear, only believe. And he allowed no one to follow him except Peter and James and John, the brother of James. They came to the house of the ruler of the synagogue, and Jesus saw a commotion. People were weeping and wailing loudly. And then he had entered, he said to them, Why are you making a commotion and weeping? The child is not dead, but only sleeping. And they laughed at him. But he had put them outside and took the child's father and mother and those who were with him and went and went in where the child was. Taking her by the hand, he said to her, Talitha Kumi, which means little girl, I say to you, arise. And immediately the girl got up and began walking, for she was 12 years of age. They were immediately overcome with amazement. And he strictly charged them that no one should know this. And 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 he told them to give her something to eat. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Bye. <laughs> Good morning, Way community. Good morning. It's December 13, 2020. My seven-year-old knows that it is 12 days to Christmas. And so today, 
you still have time. You still have a chance to buy a partridge and a pear tree. But if we were to make that SGV, uh, you still have time to buy a parrot and a lemon tree. I, I've got a group of dudes uh, that I've known for a long, long time. And we're a part of a group. We call it uh, CFTOTD, and it stands for College Football Thought of the Day. And we're 10 guys. We, we live all over the nation, and we've tried to hit up a football game in a different stadium uh, every year for as long as I can remember. And uh, we bump each other via group. First it started out of email, but then went to group me, and we trash talk and keep up with each other's families. And one of my friends in that group, his name's Marcus MacArthur. And years ago, when he was applying for different grad schools, uh, he received some rejection letters back. And so what he did is it, he ripped up some of those rejection letters in front of his newborn kid, Micah. It looked like this. Huh. Micah MacArthur. It went viral. He was on the Today Show and has 110 million hits. He's monetized it a little bit. But but wouldn't it be great? Wouldn't it be great to have some of that bubbling joy like Micah over some ripped paper? Right? Wouldn't it be great to see the common all over again and then find joy in it? Seeing the power of God in some of the weakest or most ignored areas. Seeing delight in his story, seeing delight in God's promises and plan all over again. Every week, this is what we've been doing during our Advent time, is we've taken an account of a child or children in our scriptures. And every week we want to find something that amazes us all over again, especially, especially with the arrival of God to us, for us, with us. We wanted to do that. This morning, this morning, we have a little girl who's on the verge of dying. We have uh, a woman who is healed. We have a frantic dad. And we have Jesus who is taking his sweet little time. And he waits too long and a little girl dies. Uh, this is a Christmas message. Because it's about waiting. It's about delays, and, and that is properly equivalent to Advent. Advent is a period of time that you're waiting for something good to arrive, for something good to happen. Uh, 
Uh, if, if we've got to be honest about that, uh, most of the Christian life is waiting. If, if you look back at the Old Testament, um, uh, people were waiting for the promises of God. Whatever God had promised to Abraham, people are waiting for them to happen. And most people who have worshipped God in all times were waiting for him to come through on his promises. And they died waiting. Uh, the New Testament comes along and there's this... Um, aspect of the story where some of the waiting is fulfilled in Jesus, um, but not everything is fixed. Not all of creation. Um, not all violence. Not all bad leaders and kings and presidents. Not not graft or disease or aches. Um, uh, uh, not all injustices are fixed. N disparity isn't fixed. Racism isn't fixed. And we're waiting. We're still, we're still waiting. Uh, Waiting and waiting. I, you know, ever since I was a boy, I, I've heard that God fulfills or keeps his promises. And, and since that the time arc of our eternal God is, is so large, entire lifetimes can go by. Um, the wars can be over, God. The war is now over, God. And people we love have died, God. And we can think, oh, you're late, God. We, we were waiting on you to do something, and it just doesn't seem like you have the urgency that we do. It doesn't seem like you feel the urgency we do, or I do, or you do. Um, maybe, maybe some of us would like the EMT ambulance version of God. The God who shows up, where we don't have to wait anymore. Uh, I, 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 I want to see especially in our account this morning, that the time-bound Jesus, the time-bound God, in a situation where some timeliness is crucial, some timeliness is necessary, and where you don't really have the luxury of waiting centuries to fill a promise. So here we are, and here's the scene. Jesus is going along, and he is he's walking or slash walking fast or moving quickly in a in a big bustling crowd that is also moving with him, and it's going along at a pretty good clip. And some of some of you have some familiarity with this with this account and this story. And in the crowd, there's there's been a person, a woman who's um, been waiting her whole life with this um, chronic medical issue. Um, hasn't been able to get rid of it. Um, she's been hemorrhaging blood her whole life. She's uh, or the last 12 years. Uh, she spent all she has on trying to fix it. Um, she's got no more money, and she's not any better for it. And so she fights her way in this moving crowd. She fights and jostles her way up, and, and she touches Jesus. And then Jesus stops the moving group and says, "Whoa, whoa, whoa, whoa! Wait, 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 wait! Who touched me?" And his crew, his his entourage, uh, they say, "Are you are you kidding? Like everybody's touching everybody else. Let's keep going. Let's go. Let's let's move on." Um, and Jesus says, "No, no, 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 no. Who touched me? I felt power from me. I felt faith and power. Um, look, who did this? Who did this? Uh, looks around, and everybody is at this impatient standstill. Uh, uh, and the crowd is somewhat exasperated. Um, keeps looking around. Who 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 did this? Who did this?" There's this woman who comes up, the woman with 
the chronic medical issue, she comes up and she's a little nervous, like she's in trouble, and she goes, me, 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 it was me. I, I'll, tell, I'll tell the truth, it was me, okay? And Jesus turns to her and says, daughter, um, little one, your faith has healed you, okay? So I want you to leave here in shalom. That means peace. So I want you to leave here. And peace isn't necessarily the um, absence of violence, though it is. But peace means where everything's working properly. So I, I want you to leave in peace with things working as they should. Uh, you, be healed of your disease. Okay. So the crowd has been stopped and Jesus is talking to this woman. And then, then, and then this messenger runs up and says to someone who has been walking with Jesus or jogging or running with Jesus and, and says, uh, yeah, the messenger says this, yeah, Jairus, um, your daughter died. Don't bother the teacher anymore. It's over. Y'all are too late now. Y'all are too late. Um, what's happening? Um, before we see the scene of the woman who touched Jesus, um, Jesus had been met right off this boat by a man named Jairus. And Jairus is a big deal in this little community. He runs the synagogue. He's prominent, most likely wealthy. And he says, look, my daughter's dying. I need your help. Would you please come now? Please touch her. Please do something. Please, please. She's being taken away from me. Okay, that's the scene. When Jesus agrees to help Jairus, there's this urgency. And we need God to show up. Show some activity. No more waiting. She's about to die. We're about to lose her. So the entourage gets activated, gets moving with purpose, with speed. Let's get there. Let's not waste a second. Go, 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 go. That's why this crowd is happening. Everyone is moving, and they're moving along at a clip to help Jairus. There's no waiting going on. So the 911 call to God has been made, and the Jesus ambulance is in route to Jairus' house. Everyone has the sirens going. And then Jesus says, uh, I felt someone touch me. Now, this is where we can kind of get the disciples, his friends, exasperation and sarcasm. This is where we get it. Oh, re really, really, someone touched you? Cupcake? Like, you're stopping the Jesus ambulance to ask this question, like we have an we have a real bona fide emergency here, and you've decided to pull the ambulance over and get coffee with some rando woman, like you're literally stopping all of this urgency for a full-on investigation and conversation with someone who touched you. Really. Here we have it. Like God, here's the God who's on eternal time, and He can't see the need in normal time. That's what it feels like. Classic waiting, God. Classic, not seeing our urgency. Classic God rain delay. Classic delay, delay, delay. Wait, 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 wait. Not really seeing our problems. Not caring enough to move quickly and urgently. Classic God classic Christianity. Wait, waiting, and more waiting. 
Now, if the sleigh bells in Advent are all about waiting, what good does that do us? What good does waiting do us? And we have to own up to this pretty clearly. Like God has not and does not and will not act according to what we've put on our calendars. And you could say, um, thanks a lot, Captain Obvious. I've definitely figured that one out. Yep, God's not on my time. Yep, he is not on uh, my way of thinking about things. That's why he and I have problems, you might say. And we know this. We know in our heads, oh, a thousand years to God is but a day. We know that. But, but, but this is what it feels like underneath. Okay, God, if you really did see and feel what I did, then you would act faster. If you were God, then you would meet and fix my problems so fast that I wouldn't even know they were problems. If you loved me, um, you would be an urgent God. But you know that we wait and are waiting. And so we know somehow from Sunday school or some something that we should believe, we know that the answer must be that we are waiting because of his graciousness and his kindness and his love. And so we have to say, yeah, but how? This account has sleigh bells ringing all over it, but how so? Here's the first one. Um, when we look at waiting, waiting is piled with God's near and Christmas love. And the first way we see that is God simply sees more than you do. So if you're a if you're a physician, if you are a nurse, if you are an herbal cannaboid practitioner, um, we have two medical situations here. Um, in one chair, we have this woman who is um, has lived long with her medical problems for 12 years. She has chronic. Uh, she has a chronic problem. Um, so in another bed, we have a little girl on the verge of death, and um, that looks like it's very pressing. Two medical situations. So if this is the ER triage decision, who do you care for first? Who do you activate the IV and the gurney for first? Because you gotta make the right call. Um, Jesus stops the ambulance for the chronic pain and ignores the pressing urgent issue of death what do we see what do i see when i when i say i'm like that's a bad call like you really you should have used my triage matrix you should have used what i know you should have used my process my variables my knowledge my logic my understanding of the situation my my breaking it down my analyzing it but the whole passage in Mark shows us something. One, Jesus easily fixes both medical problems 
right? He fixes death and he fix, fixes chronic ongoing pain. And there's really no um, discernible difference between how those are fixed and how easily they're fixed. So that's number one. Number two, this is what we don't see. Did you know that this woman could have been healed? She could have touched the Jesus and ran away. But Jesus sees something else. He knows and he sees and he understands and he has way more intel than we do. Um, she could have gotten healed and never been attached or related to the person of Jesus. Right? She would have fixed her medical issues and she would have never had full wholeness or shalom as it relates to Jesus. Right? She could have had her, her, her chronic pain fixed and miss everything. Miss something extends further into eternity. So, when we look at God, we say, in making me wait here, are you doing nothing? Are you not working? See, this is what we see from this passage. is like we don't see everything, do we? We don't see bigger realities, do we? What, is, what does Jesus say to Jairus? That's why Jesus says this to Jairus in the passage. He says, look, look, believe me. You've got to believe me, Jairus. You've got to believe me, okay? Well, why does he say that? Because, look, this seems crazy to me, but I see something you don't, and you're just going to have to trust me. You don't see everything, but if you did see everything that I see, you'd be all for it. So waiting for sure means this. It means that God knows more than you do or I do. That's what it means from Mark 5. But that's not it. Um, we can know God's waiting or us waiting in God means that it's full of kindness and love but how so number two um, waiting shows us this that that it's grace it's grace and not our self-powered goodness that that's how heaven operates and we see that in waiting so let's compare those two people again those two problems again. Um, so we have Jairus. He's a big deal. He's got money. He has community um, respect and standing. He handles his business. He has a good reputation. He's moral. He's, he's a leader that people look up to. He's just a good dude that you want on your street. You want him on the council. You want him in the PTA. You want him as your friend. He's just a good dude. That's Jairus. And then you have over here, you have a woman with chronic pain and problems. And we talked about this last week. In the first century, she's a woman. And remember, her testimony isn't even allowed in um, courts of law. Uh, a woman is pushed to the margins, even more so than our culture today. She has no more resources. She has no more cash. And here's another little twist. If she's always been sick, you know how the community views her, especially a first century Jewish community? Not, it's not just as if something is physically wrong with her. Um, they actually view her and say, oh, there actually 
is probably a moral defect with you. Because if God hasn't made you well, there's a reason for that. There's a reason for that. Um, if you were healthy, then we would know that you had the favor of God, the blessing of God. So here it is. You have Jairus, self-engineered respect and a good dude and a woman who just doesn't matter to the community. How does heaven operate? Cash, position, respect, all that self-powered goodness, it does not get you in the front of the line. Not with God. Being nice, being good, being moral, being respectable doesn't get you in good with God. Hey, male church leader, could you get to the back of the line, pal? What does that do? It is revolutionary to how the world does things. Uh, when we look at this COVID vaccine, this promised COVID vaccine, uh, I, I know that we're going to first get, based on reports that I've read, we're first going to get the vaccine to um, doctors, health professionals, and the elderly. And the world will actually publicly police itself to do the cosmetic right thing. Um, but who will get that vaccine earlier than expected? Who, who, who will get the vaccine earlier than most people on the planet? Well, those with resources. The wealthy. I was talking to a guy this past week who said he's probably going to get it in January. He's not a frontline guy. He's not necessary as we've defined it in the quarantine. He's not a doctor. He's not old. But he definitely has some money. Why does it matter that Jesus stops with the woman? The blessing and peace and shalom of God will always come from himself. It will not come based on what we engineered. It won't be because we made him do anything. That would be works. That's, that would be smugness at our self-righteousness. That would be a, a, a pride that demands that God just reward us based on who we are and what we deserve. And when we wait, when we wait, as we wait in the wait, it will always make true to our hearts. It will always make true to our hearts that he owes us nothing based on our performance. He doesn't owe us. We don't earn it. We don't work for it. Heaven, heaven and Jesus and God will operate by unconditional graciousness. That's what waiting will tell you. But that's not all. And here the sleigh bells are going to intensify. In the waiting and the waiting and the waiting.
Um, waiting will do this. It will prove. It'll prove to you in your heart that God Himself is the only fix. It's He's the only one that you're going to be able to trust with all of who you are. It's so interesting. What a, what a favorite little part of this passage for me. Uh, Jesus says this in our text. And it's even given to us. He says, Talitha kum. Now the translators say, um, it just means this, little girl, get up. And they're right. And that's good. But they, they don't explain everything that's happening because you can't. Otherwise it's a commentary. Uh, let, let, me, let me explain it this way. Uh, I've always called my girls um, boo-boo. Hey, boo-boo. It's silly, I know, and other people use the term boo-boo. But it's a little term of private affection. It's a private name. It's a family nickname. I don't call them that when they're around their friends. I don't call them that when we're outside. I don't call them that at church. You know what? where I say it? A lot. I say it in the morning. Hey, boo-boo, breakfast is ready. Hey, boo-boo, time to get up. Um, that, that's what Jesus is calling this little girl. He's saying, hey, sweetie, it, it, it's, a, it's a nickname. It's a term of endearment. Hey, sweetie, hey, boo-boo. And so I don't want you to miss the intimate kindness. And also notice he never apologizes for being quote-unquote late. So he's familial, so he's kind and he's, he's, he's careful. That's cool. And then he says, get up. Time to get up now. Just like her parents would have told her on, on most routine days in a routine week, on a school day. Now, why is this a big deal? Why is this a big deal? You, you know what we expect movie style? We expect Jesus to say, hand me my staff, people. And, and then he shouts to the heavens and then there's these this purple light and zapping noises. And he pulls back his robe and he speaks in unintelligible heaven words. And he says, move away, people. Stand back. I'm about to shazam. See, see. No. Why is that important? The worst thing that can happen to us, well, death, right? Is flicked aside like a housefly, a routine, everyday housefly. Jesus is saying, Jairus, boo-boo, sweetie, my followers, if you have me, if I am near you, Emmanuel, you can giggle at the most horrifying fears and anything really. I see them. 
I see that there's more to them than you do. And I'm going to be gracious. And you won't have to work for it or labor for it. And I have the power and it's intimate kindness. Now, how, how can you trust someone like that with all of who you are and everything that you are waiting in and for? How can you do that? You can do that because near a trash heap full of dumpster fires outside of Jerusalem, he lost, Jesus lost the careful, intimate kindness of his father and death gobbled him up. I want you to hear the sleigh bells here. He had to helplessly wait until he was raised. Your Jesus, your Emmanuel, God with us, waited, waited, with no ability to change his own circumstance. So that we would have shalom first with him, and then one of these days with all of creation. Why would we ever hurry someone like this? who knows more than we do, who is so much more tender with his power than we would ever be. Right now, December 13, here's this question. Are you hating the waiting? At Christmas, are you hating this waiting? Tim Keller says this. He says, do not confuse your agenda. Do not confuse your agenda for him as faith in him. Oh, no, no, no. Waiting is the expression of our faith. No, no. Here, here's the cinnamon. Here's the pine. Here's the sleigh bells. He is too wise. He's too loving. He's too gracious to be put on our urgent to-do lists. So wait with me this Christmas, this Advent. Wait with me. Let's wait. Let's wait on the judge who will do right. The judge who is bringing peace to all of his creation. Wait with me. Let's pray. Our Father, who is in heaven, but did not stay there, had Jesus come, Emmanuel, to wait with us? We now wait in so many different situations, in so many pains, in so many evils. We are waiting for you to show your kindness and your graciousness and your power all over again. We know it will happen. We trust that you will make all things right. In Jesus' name, amen.